This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. All we kept thinking about was because God asked us to. And when those tires hit the runway of Addis Ababa, we knew we had to stay. And we went down to our property and the most expert Ethiopian builder in the region, who'd also been the high school uh, principal, knew all the, knew everybody there, all the men, named Bakela. Bakela had been working on the polio clinic across the street and he came across the street, the dirt road, and he walked up to us and said, I hear you need a builder. We said, yeah, he said, I'll build all your buildings. Oh yeah, how much are you gonna charge? He goes, I'll do it for free. I said, for free? Why? I love this, I love my people. I know you've come to bring jobs. I want them to have jobs. And he did, and we hired him. He still works for us today, Bakella. But at that point, it was much, going back to the family, it was much safer for that family to stay in Iowa and not to go to Sudan. But they did it because God asked them to. And be much safer for the disciples to walk around the lake to the other side, rather than to risk this unstable sea. But they got into the boat because God asked them to. And it would be much safer for Adina and Randy, who are now in their 60s, to live out the rest of their life in the comfortable places of San Diego or Indiana, and not to go into the dangerous region of a Muslim region in northern Nigeria. But they do it because God asked them to. And many would prefer to sail out the rest of their lives in safe way. Go on the land, not on the sea. Go to heaven on the land where it's safer rather than on the sea to get to heaven. But the disciples followed in the boat because he asked them to. And so what happened was that just what's typical of the Sea of Galilee in verses, verse 24, it's a behold statement. Behold, didn't expect this. Here it is, behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. So there were not any disciples on that boat who had refused to go and were walking around, as I mentioned, walking around the lake. There was nobody yelling 
from the, from the short. Oh, just what I was afraid of. Okay, that's why I chose to take the safer way instead of the sail. But when that storm happened, we can be sure that the disciples were thinking, although not verbalizing, but were thinking, after such a wonderful, beautiful last days, we have to face a deadly storm at sea? And we can be sure the disciples were saying, we've seen him heal a leper, we've seen him cast out demons, we've seen him heal a servant from a distance. Couldn't he prevented this terrible storm that's swamping our boat now? And they were 100% correct. They were 100% correct. He could have prevented that storm. Just as Martha said to the Lord, when Martha, uh, Martha was the brother of Lazarus, and Lazarus who died, and the history is all in John 11, John 11, verse one, John 11, one says, now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Verse three, John 11, three, John 11, three. Therefore his sister sent it to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be just, glorified thereby, glorified. Then in verse 17, John eleven seventeen, 17, when Jesus came, he found that he had laid in the grave four days already. And then the verse in verse 21, John eleven twenty one, 21, John eleven twenty one, 21, where Martha says, then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died, and she was 100% correct. Just as the disciples were 100% correct in thinking he could have stopped this storm, and he could have prevented Lazarus from dying. He could have stopped the storm. He could have prevented Lazarus from dying, and you and I are 100% correct when we think he could have prevented this trouble that's hurting us right now. He could have. But allowing the death of Lazarus, the Lord had a goal, a goal, which was the famous verse 25 of chapter 11, John 11, 25, John 11, 25. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. That was his purpose. That was his goal. That's why he allowed Lazarus to die. By allowing the storm on the sea, the Lord had a goal. He wanted to teach the disciples. He wanted to teach them faith. He wanted to teach them courage to face a storm in life. He wanted to show them all power is given unto me in heaven and earth, Matthew 28. All power is given unto me, even power over winds and seas. And that's what the Lord's doing here. He's allowing this storm to happen so that he can teach them a lesson in the middle of the lake. You know, my first university I went to was Miami University of Ohio. And um, oh, it was good. We had lectures, we learned about, they didn't have biochemistry, so I had to study zoology. That was good. But I'm so glad when I came to UCSD 50 years ago, it was a young college, I was the third graduating class, and I went there to study biochemistry. And what was so great about it is they had something we didn't have, Miami, well, didn't have that many, we did have some. Lab courses, we had lab courses. You know, if you go to UCSD today, forget about it. They don't have lab courses. They really went downhill. But UCSD had lab courses. Like I say, they don't have dates. It's a shame that they don't have it because you, I learned, you learned so much in a lab course. You know, it's like here's one hour of lecture in a week and then six hours of lab course. It was so great because in the lab course, we would use what we learned in the lecture. 
And we learn in the lecture, these are the reactions that make chemical synthesis that do organic synthesis. And in the lab, you actually did organic synthesis and you built those chemicals. It was great. For me, it was in those lab courses where biochemistry crystallized for me. And that's not to be a play on words. Because the lecture was just head knowledge, but the lab course made the lecture come alive. And those lab courses are what inspired me to set up Scanabody's laboratory. It was just because I loved working on the bench and, and following procedures. That's why I don't even think anything of it about I'll spend three hours cooking a meal because I like doing that in the kitchen. It's a lab bench for me. Some call it a kitchen, I call it a lab bench. Well, because the lab bench is where it all comes together. And the Sermon on the Mount was like the lecture, was the lecture class where the disciples learned the head knowledge. They learned the principles. For example, in the Sermon on the Mount, the, during that lecture, Professor Jesus taught them the principle, God cares for you, God watches for over you in Matthew 6.30, Matthew 6.30 from the Sermon on the Mount. He said, wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? They learned that God was going to take care of them, head knowledge, lecture, lecture course, Sermon on the Mount, on the lecture course. And if they were tested, they would have gotten an A. They would have gotten an A because they had knowledge, they had it. But the stormy sea of Galilee is the lab course. That's where they had to put to use what they learned in the lecture on the Sermon on the Mount. They learned in the lecture class, the Sermon on the Mount, that God cared for them, that God was going to take care of them. But then when it came to the lab course of the stormy sea of Galilee, that's where they were called on to put to use their head knowledge from the Sermon on the Mount. In the lab course, if they were not fearful, they would have gotten an A. They would have gotten an A. But if they were fearful, they would have gotten an F. Because the lab course is really what counts. And that's what the Lord said in John 13, 17. John 13, 17. Think about this in the sense of the lecture course and the lab course when he said, if you know these things, head knowledge, lecture. Happy are ye if you do them, lab course, doing it. If you know these things, that's the lecture course. If you do these things, happy are you if that's the lab course. See? So it's the same for us. You know, we come to church, we study the Bible, that's our lecture class. It's our lecture class. We know the Bible, we get an A in the lecture class. We, we know, we know the Bible, we get an A. And then a life situation comes up, a trouble comes up, a problem comes up in our lives. Like we're in the middle of the stormy sea of Galilee, and that's our lab course. A consequences of a pandemic, a failing health condition, a lost job, a failed relationship. That's a lab course. Those are the life situations are our lab courses. And then we get angry, and we get panicky, and our hearts race with anxiety. We fail. We fail the lab course. And Professor Jesus comes in, and he says in Matthew 8.26, Matthew 8.26, he comes in the lab, and he says, why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? With that statement, that's a failure. That's an F on the lab course. And that's what's happening here in Matthew 8. Professor Jesus has taken his class, his class of disciples, from the lecture of the Sermon on the Mount into the boat in the stormy sea so that he wants them to learn fearlessness and courage. And after the stormy sea of Galilee course, Professor Jesus says to the disciples, sorry, fellas, sorry, fellas, but you all failed. You all failed the lab course. But um, this course 
you don't drop out. We have to repeat it. We'll repeat it. Don't worry. We'll repeat it. <laughs> you know, the lab course coming up. <laughs> and so when we look at this trip across the lake, we see a pattern. We see like a, a picture of our lives. You know, the, the disciples entered into the boat. Our lives start out with salvation. We follow the Lord. And just as in the trip across the lake, there's a storm. We just, that's our lives. We go from one storm to another storm, one lab course to another lab course. And the description of the storm for the disciples was severe, as it says in verse 24, the ship was covered with waves. And finally, just as the disciples do eventually arrive on the other side, we will eventually arrive on the safe side of heaven. So going back to the storm. So the disciples are really in a struggle for their life, is what's being described here. You know, they're looking at a, a boat sinking and then being in the middle of this drowning. And in the middle of all that, it says in verse 24, he was asleep. <laughs> they looked and said, great. You know, he was asleep. Disciples looking at the Lord asleep. That's an interesting picture. Here they are struggling for their life. They're going to die, and they're looking at the Lord asleep. He's being jostled from side to side. The water's crashing over him. He doesn't wake up. And they're wondering, won't he wake up? Maybe the movement, the water. And the, he must really be tired. I guess it was a rough couple days. He's really sleepy. It's the only time in the Bible we ever read Jesus slept. We never read that. This is the only time Jesus slept. And it was purposeful. Because the Lord was doing a purposeful sleep. There's Professor Jesus in the lab classroom with his students, and he's purposely not awake in order to put his students to the test. And at first, none of the disciples... Just kind of think about when the storm is just kind of starting off. You know, the water's getting rough. There's a lot of ripples on the surface of the water. The wind's picking up. Looks like a gale's coming. None of the disciples wanted to wake the Lord up. They knew he'd had a really intense time the last couple of days. So let him sleep. Let him sleep. And to the disciples, it looked like the Lord wasn't even aware. Wasn't even aware. He wasn't, it looked like he wasn't aware when he got in the boat that there was going to be a storm. It looked like he's not aware when the storm's beginning here, that's why we are just like the disciples. When a terrible trouble comes in our lives, it looks like the Lord is not aware. It looks like the Lord's not aware what's, gonna, what's happening to us. So they look at the Lord sleeping there, very soundly, like a baby. He looks like he's not aware of the disaster they're in, that's coming. And look to the disciples like the Lord is just maybe engaged in some dream. He must be having some dream and he's totally gone. And I think they were maybe thinking that maybe when he woke up, you know, they were thinking, well, wow, when he wakes up, he's going to be shocked, and he's going to say, oh, my, what's happening here? Why did you let me sleep so long? He said, <laughs> he said now we're really in trouble. Peter, get the bucket. John, James, form the brigade line. Get this water out of the boat. Hurry up. Not much time. Maybe they were expecting the Lord to jump into a quick plan of action like that to keep the boat from sinking. But just, and they were thinking as they were looking at the Lord sleeping, and this is going to catch him totally off guard. He's just not aware of what's going on here. And that's the way it looks to us. Looks like that to us. Looks like the Lord's asleep in our lives. Looks like the heavens are brass, and the Lord's asleep, and there's a great trouble. But David said something very interesting about this in Psalm 121. Psalm 121. David said, Psalm 121, I will lift, verse 1, 121.1. 1, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. 
Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade by thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth even forevermore. David is talking to Israel about great troubles in life. And he was in great trouble. And he's telling Israel this. And he's telling Israel how he got out of his trouble. He says, I got out of my trouble by lifting my eyes to the hills. That was showing what he did with his eyes. David felt like this, looking at himself, looking at the trouble he's in, dropping his head in discouragement. And instead of that, David gets out of this by lifting his eyes up. He lifts his eyes up and he looks at the hills. He says in verse 1, Psalm 121, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. In other words, David lifts up his eyes and he looks at the hills. And what does he see when he sees the hills? He sees the beauty of the sky as a backdrop of the hills. Maybe he sees the clouds moving across the sky. He sees grass growing on the hills that the wild goats were eating. As he sees that, he's reminded of the words of, He's reminded of the words, Hamotzi lechem min ha'aretz. He said, of God who brings forth bread out of the dirt, out of the dirt. He sees that. He sees the growth on there. And then he sees the trees. He sees the trees on the hills, sturdy trees growing up. Wind is blowing, trunks that are not snapping off. You ever seen these big palm trees around here? Unbelievable, the strength of those palm trees with the weight at the top and he sees the branches gracefully moving with the wind. He sees the green leaves on the branches that are being nourished by the trunk. He sees the birds. They're singing. They're soaring through the sky like they're playing with each other, and they're landing perfectly on those moving, better than a fighter pilot can land on an aircraft carrier. And they're building their nests. And he looks at all that, and he's engrossed in a wonder, in an amazement, of God's great creation, and that's why he says in that verse, Psalm 121, one through two, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hill from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from, from the Lord which made heaven and earth. He looks at all this on the hills and he said, he made that. He made the sky, the birds, the trees, the grass, the, all that. He made that. That's where my help is coming from. And David could say, Yes, I was in a great trouble, and I decided to go outside. And I lifted my eyes to the hills, and I saw God's creation, and I realized my help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. And we say with David, we say with David about my God, about my Jesus, in Psalm 121.3, Psalm 123, my Jesus is he that keepeth me will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. And the Lord was keeping his disciples in the boat, and he wasn't slumbering, he wasn't sleeping, unaware. It was purposeful sleep. And he's going to help those disciples. It's just like the Lord was, only one thing he was doing, just delaying his help, that's all. He was delaying his help. Because faith cannot be built in the disciples unless the Lord delayed his help in the storm. And that's the key for us. The Lord does help us, yes, but it's just that the Lord delays his help for us because faith cannot be built in us unless the Lord delays his help in the storms of our lives. And what we see happening with the disciples here, again, it's a pattern. It's another pattern. First comes the trouble. 
Then comes the prayer. Then comes the delay of faith. Then comes the immediate evaluation of faith. And then comes the help from the trouble. And then comes praise to God. That's what this passage is all about. The last step of praise to God is what we see in the life of Noah when he emerges from the ark, that terrible place he's been, in that great trouble of the storm and death of everybody all around his ark, bodies floating around the ark. And when Noah gets out of the ark of trouble, the first thing he does is he doesn't say, oh man, that was terrible, I wanna get away from this as fast as I can. Whew, forget it. The first thing he does in Genesis 8.18, Genesis 8.18, Noah went forth and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Verse 20, Genesis 8.20, Genesis 8.20. And Noah's built, Noah built an ark unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar and the Lord smelled a sweet savor. That's what he did. But back on the boat, the disciples are so desperate at this point. They're thinking, hey, we're, you know, look, you know, we're fishermen, we know fishing like the back, we know, yeah, yeah but, but this is over, this is too much for us now. It's too much. And so it says in verse 25, Matthew 8, 25, 8, 25, his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us, we perish. That picture is interesting for us. It's very interesting because the disciples are in the boat in the storm and the Lord is in the boat in the storm. Their help is in the person of the Lord, is in the boat with them, Yet they wait until they're ready to perish before they go to the Lord and ask for help. And again, we can imagine that maybe the disciples are sitting there saying, a little storm piece of cake, boys. That's us. We're fishermen. We're expert fishermen. We know this lake like we know the back of our hand. No problem. No problem for us, the great fishermen. We're the boatmen here. So no need to wake the Lord up. We'll do this stuff ourselves. We'll guide the boat safely to the other side. He'll be so happy. And that's so much a picture of us. It's so much a picture of us. We can handle the problems just like the fishermen disciples. We think, I don't have to bother the Lord with this. I can do it. I can handle it. No problem, said Joshua and his men when those people who were his neighbors and he was called on to eliminate came to him, fooling him with the old clothes and the old wine and so forth. And said, oh, we come from a long place away. Make a treaty with us. Don't destroy us. Foolishly, they did. And then the statement, they did not ask counsel from the mouth of the Lord. Oh, they can handle it. Oh, what do we need God for? Well, we, we, we're negotiators. Are you kidding? We're Jewish negotiators. We can do this business deal. And the storm gets worse for us, and we still don't have to pray because we're smarter than the average bear. We can handle it. The problem gets worse. We get frustrated. Someone comes along and says, have you prayed about it? That just irritates us. Storm gets worse till finally we pray. That's the picture of the disciples here in the boat. And that's why we're told in Luke 21, 16, Luke 21, 16, watch ye therefore and pray always. Pray over the big things in life. Pray over the small things in life. Pray over the small things before they become big things in life. Like the disciples, they should have gone to the Lord when the storm was just the beginning and asked for his help. But there's nothing like a good, healthy, frightening experience to bring prayer out of a person. It says that, it, 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 just like it says in Psalm 50, verse 15, Psalm 50, verse 15, God says, call upon me in the day of trouble. 
I will deliver thee, thou shalt glorify me. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.